Malachi chapter 3. I just love the word of God. Don't you just love scripture? Don't you love that God spoke through prophets and apostles and it was written down so many years ago? 66 books through many, many uh, years. And God preserved it, kept it intact all the way down to our day so that we can look into it, we can love it, live it, and preach it. And that's what I want to do. I want to preach the word of God. It's been a long time. Uh, and so I'm praying for a Holy Spirit anointing on me. Would you pray for that for me? And also, would you pray for it for yourself as listeners to the Word of God? Malachi chapter 3, I want to look at verses 1 down to verse 7. I'm going to read this out loud if you'll follow with your eyes. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppose or oppress, I'm sorry, the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Stop there. God, we pray for this Holy Spirit anointing. You're the author, Holy Spirit of the word of God. You're the one that fills each and every one of us who name the name of Christ, who have repented of our sins and trusted in the cross, trusted in his death. Holy Spirit, now I pray and we pray. Can you pray that with me? Say, Holy Spirit, oh God, Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, would you open our eyes, give us ears to hear, help us to see things that we couldn't see before. Help us to be humble before you. We love your word. You gave it to great men. You gave it to great men who loved you and followed you closely, and now we get to study it. But help us not to study it just for academic reasons, not just to put some knowledge in our brain, but may it bring application to our life. May it shake us a little bit, may it encourage us, May it give us the illumination that we need so that we can go the next day, the next week, the next month, and the next year. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to actually have you stand throughout the whole sermon, so <laughs> you may be seated. I'm a nice guy. I wouldn't do that. I'm going to start a new series with you. I'm titling Thankful. The title of this series for November is Thankful. It's a simple title, but it's a powerful concept and truth that I want for us as a people of God to be able to grab a hold of. Thankful is the name of the series. We're in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 down to verse 7. And I've titled this first message in this series, Thankful in Times of Refinement. That's the title of today's message, Thankful in Times of Refinement. And can I just say one more time, the four guys, the four elders, pastors that are serving with me, did a phenomenal and faithful job. Can we honor them with a hand clap? as they brought the word of God for the last four weeks when I was not in the pulpit. So we're going to talk about offering. Yes, offering. I heard that. It was, it was, it was very clear. <laughs> we're going to take an offering. Okay. 
So let's get those buckets passing, all right? We've prayed. I had the gift of interpretation with that tongue. That was a tongue. I don't know if you heard it from the back. You're like, what is he talking about? You miss so much when you're not in the front section. Thankful in times of refinement, the title of the message. Let me begin with a great holiday, and that holiday is Thanksgiving. Does anybody love Thanksgiving? Do you want to give me a, how, a shout, a hoot, a holler? Thanksgiving is a wonderful holiday. It's really linked to the Puritans. The Puritans were a great group of men and women uh, during the 16th and 17th century in London, or in England, rather. And so these men and women who loved Jesus were very fierce about their, uh, their purity before the Lord, hence the name Puritans. They wanted to live a pure faith. They wanted to worship Jesus. They wanted to walk with him in ways that were just phenomenal. I've read some of the works of the Puritans through the years. Those are some of my heroes. Uh, these are women of God that I so respect, and these are men of God during this era that uh, really love the Lord, and it really is convicting to read the Puritans because you kind of think you're like not even close to them when you start to read where their devotion and love for Christ was so intense. But they're the Puritans, and they wanted to worship Jesus and really wanted to worship with greater freedom, and so they left England, and they came to Massachusetts. Great place to go. Uh, Massachusetts, especially Plymouth, if you've never been there. Has anybody ever been to Plymouth Rock before? A couple of people here and there. It's a great, great tourist area to go see where the pilgrims landed, or, or the Puritans, really. And so they landed there, and there's some other places that they had landed in Virginia and, and so forth. But they came to worship Jesus with greater freedom. And so what they had in England were days of thanksgiving. These were times where they would designate certain days where they would be thankful for the provision of God but they were even more thankful for the providence of the Lord. And does anybody know what providence means? We've studied that in the past. That is God that is laying out our life. He is guiding our steps, every single step. Uh, there is not a step that you can go to or to and, and from that God has not providentially if you're a child of his. And honestly, I think even non-Christians uh, experience some of the providence of the Lord, but in a different kind of way. But anyway, providence was what they were thankful for. Days of Thanksgiving. So when they landed in Massachusetts, they said, you know what, we need to continue this. And so they had days of thanksgiving, not only for the harvest, but for the providence of the Lord. And if you ever go to Providence, Rhode Island, if you're a history person like me, uh, you can walk the streets of Providence. And it was in that city that these great men and women of God landed and they named their whole city Providence. Uh, but we're talking about Thanksgiving. When most people think of Thanksgiving, you're thinking of what? Tom, right? Yeah, poor Tom. He, he's not going to have a chance this Thanksgiving. There's going to be a lot of consumption of turkey. We think of turkey. We think of family get-togethers. I love Thanksgiving. I love the fall. You might have seen my, my harvest news encouraging word. I just love this season. We're going to talk about being thankful during this season. I was taught this prayer before I would eat as a child. I don't know if you were taught this prayer. Uh, if, you are, if you were taught this, just give me a shout of amen after I'm done. Here it is. God is good. God is great. Thank you for our food. Amen. That was it. Anybody else learn that when you were a kid? That was it. Uh, and so my mom and my dad taught us before each meal to, to fold our hands and give thanks for the food. Uh, my wife and I still try to do that every time we have a meal, although I don't pray that prayer. My prayers have kind of, you know, maybe expanded a little bit beyond that. And so we try to give thanks for the food. It's very important to give thanks. I don't know about you, but uh, I was taught, was your mom and dad teaching you how to say thank you to somebody? Now give thanks or say thank you to the nice young man or older man and thankful to the, the older. Does anybody ever remember your parents te teaching you to be polite and say thank you, right? Uh, and so isn't that important to say thank you to someone? Isn't that like the thing to do, right? 
And, and so uh, I'm just going to get a little bit vulnerable here. It's all about preaching and being vulnerable at Harvest Reading. But when you stop at a crosswalk and somebody, you let them go, come on now, you let them go and they don't say thank you. How many people does that not get you in the flesh? <laughs> what do you want to do? You just want to lay on the horn a little bit, maybe just get the, the gas pedal going a little. It's just, wait a minute, well, I'm being cordial to you. You should say thank you back. Saying thanks is an important thing. I want to read a story to you. I have it on my phone. Uh, I think it's relevant to uh, where we're at going into the series. And so I'm going to pull this up. Listen to this. Two old friends met each other on the street one day. One looked forlorn, almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has the world done to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. That's a lot of money. But you see, two weeks ago, a cousin I never even knew died and left me $85,000 free and clear. Sounds to me that you've been very blessed. You don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, my great aunt passed away and I inherited almost a quarter of a million from her. Now the man's friend was really confused. Then why do you look so glum? This week, nothing. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that how life is? I mean, you can have these things happen to you over and over again, and we get to the place where we're not thankful, where we don't give thanks. And I think in our Christian life, uh, the next four series or weeks of this series, we're going to see some things that I think the Holy Spirit's going to give us that's going to cause a, a thanksplosion by the end of our series. You know what a thanksplosion is? There's going to be an explosion of thanks that's going to erupt from all of our hearts, loud and, and crazy, just crazy loud. It's going to happen on our fourth Sunday together. Let me give you a definition of refinement. We have to talk about this. How can you be thankful in times of refinement? It's easy to be thankful when you have a raise or your newborn baby is born without any difficulties or you have a great vacation or, hey, you know what? You hit every green light on Penn Ave. <laughs> it's time to be thankful on that one. Come on. And so here's a... Here's something that we have a hard time with, and that is refinement, refinement. I'm in a season of refinement, as you know, if you watched my Harvest News or read it. I'm in a season of refinement, and God is asking me, are you thankful, Chris, for the season of refinement? It's a little bit difficult to be thankful for tough times, right, and tough seasons of your life. Here's a definition, to remove impurities or unwanted elements, to free something. We're talking about refinement here. It is a process it means to improve or to prune or to perfect. Psalm 48.10, here's what the psalmist said. I have refined you, this is talking about God. I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Let me ask you a question without getting too detailed or too personal, maybe just with a hand raise. When's the last time you were in a season of affliction? When was the last time that the, the Bible calls it a refiner's fire and he's going to refine you? How about in the last year? Anybody would consider themselves in any kind of re refinement, season of affliction? I see hands going up all over the place. I want to look at Malachi with you today. Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And there's four reasons why God is refining us. Do you want to know what these are? Amen. Do you want to know what these are? These are so important. Because Malachi the prophet, the minor prophet, he's not a major prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah. He's known as a minor prophet. His name means messenger. And so you're, you've already read that text with me, and you, he's talking about my messenger, and some people think that he's referring to himself. He's not referring to himself. He's referring to someone else. 
And I think you know who that is. But I want to give you these four reasons why God is refining you and he's refining me. So stay with me and stay with the text. Here's number one. God is refining us for a greater revealing of his presence. Number one, you're, you're gonna walk with God. You're gonna see God. You're gonna hear God. You're gonna feel God more than you ever have when you get through the refinement process. But you gotta push through it. You gotta press on. You don't push back. You don't give up. You don't give in. This is in Malachi chapter three and verse one. It's, it's traditionally and textually a portion of scripture that is pointing to the coming of Christ. It's prophetic. It's talking about the coming of the Messiah. And who do you think the messenger is that he's referring to? Does anybody know? Say it out nice and loud. It's John the Baptist. The messenger is John the Baptist. And he's coming and he's gonna prepare the way for the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. And so Malachi is, is revealing something here that is important. He's talking about this one who would come. Hey, listen, you know what? There wasn't a prophet that was raised up since Malachi. He was the last one, and the next one to show on the scene was who? It was John the Baptist. That's for about 400 years. They're called the silent years. But I want you to understand something. When God goes silent, it doesn't mean he's not working. Remember that, because in the refining process, you're gonna think that God has left that God has gone away from you, doesn't care about you, but he is in fact still at work and he was still at work in the 400 silent years between the Old Testament and New Testament. But until John came, there wasn't another prophet since Malachi. But there is one coming who's gonna prepare the way and it was John the Baptist. He is the one that is referred to here. It's not Malachi. Listen, verse one, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. There's gonna be a revealing of the Messiah. There's gonna be one who's coming, who John the Baptist said as Jesus was approaching him, whose sandals I am not even worthy to untie. Do you remember that text? I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it. Because John the Baptist said there was one coming and he came to him to be baptized and Jesus says it's for the fulfillment of scriptures that I am to be baptized by you. And Jesus kneels down and John the Baptist baptizes him and then what happens after that? The heavens open up, the Bible says, and, and then who descended, do you remember? the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove. Now we think dove like dove. I mean, something we would see at a park or something, but I think it was much more profound than that. And then there was a voice from heaven that said what? This is my beloved son in whom I am what? I am well pleased. There's a revealing here of the Messiah. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing what's happening here? Malachi is saying, listen, the refiner's fire and the fuller soap is coming to the nation of Israel, but it's not just coming to the nation of Israel, it's coming to the church of Jesus in our day. Here's the application for Harvest Reading. You gotta be thankful for times of refinement because when you go through the refiner's fire and you come out the other side, and I remember pretty much all those hands that went up, listen, just hold on, hold on, because you're gonna see God like you've never seen God before. You're gonna feel God like you've never felt him before. You're gonna know that he shows up right next to you and you're gonna be like, wow, God, this is way different than my Christian experience has ever had before. It's a revealing. Matthew chapter 11, verse 10, Luke 7, 27, and Isaiah 40 talks about this text of scripture as being John the Baptist. So the evidence is there. This is the one who came in camel's hair. And what was he eating? It wasn't Chick-fil-A fries. Come on. It, <laughs> he was eating what? Like locusts. He's eating bugs. You know, this guy was intense. 
He was intense. Someday I'd like to, to meet John the Baptist. I think by then he would have his head, right? <laughs> because God, you know, God's going to put him back together. You don't remember the story, how he lost his head? Anyway, I'm just trying to wake some people up because the back sections are looking a little bit sleepy back there, Al. How you doing back there? Are you still with us? Anyway, so we have Malachi here opening up Scripture and talking about the one preparing the way or the revealing of the Messiah or the presence of God. This is what I want you to see here. There's a big reveal. Oh, there's a big reveal coming that Malachi is listing here. And don't you love reveals? Does anybody remember Biggest Loser? The show Biggest Loser? I'm not calling you a Biggest Loser. I'm saying, do you remember the TV show called Biggest Loser? Wow, only about four or five of us. I thought there'd be a bigger reaction to that. It was one of my favorite shows, and Lisa and I would watch it all the time. And you had like four or 500 pound people that wanted to change their life, and they got a trainer, and they started eating differently, and they started training. And then by the end of the season, there's this reveal, and you're kind of on the edge of your couch, and you're thinking, what do they look like now? And then all of a sudden, the, you know, they come crashing through the paper, or the curtain lifts, and all of a sudden, you're looking at them going like, wow, wow, that's amazing. That is truly incredible. How about, uh, here's a little, bit more, a little bit more closer to home, maybe, um, Fixer Upper. Chip and Joanna, don't you love them? I love that show. It's one of my favorite HGTV shows. And so what are they doing? They're taking these houses that are falling apart and they're taking it through demo process and, you know, they're ripping things out and, and they're just, they're gutting the place. But by the end of this, the, the show, you have them standing in front of the house with the house the way it used to look. And they say, do you want to see your house? And what do they do? They separate that thing and you're like, yes. Is anybody else excited at that point like me? <laughs> just trying to see if we're excited here. And, and that's important to know because, listen, the, the process that you're going through is demo. You're being demoed. You know, you're being demoed of the pride that's in your heart and, and the self-sufficiency and, you know, all of those things that's going on, and, and you're being gutted during the refiner's process. And, and then at the end of it, there's going to be a massive reveal, much more important than a skinny body or a house that looks great. It's going to be a reveal of the presence of the Lord. God is going to show up in your life greater than he ever has before. Wouldn't that be awesome? I remember asking Jesus, I said, Jesus, why is my life so hard? This is about 11 years ago. I said to him, why am I going through what I'm going through? And when am I going to get out of this, Lord? I've had a tendency to go through a lot of refiners' fire through the years. And he says to me, almost audibly, he said, Chris, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you in this process me. And I was weeping. And I said, Lord, thank you. I, you're, you're all I need. You're all I need. Number one. Here's number two. Why is God taking us through the refiner's fire or the refinement process? A greater righteousness in his purity. Verses two down to verse four. Would you look at verse two as Malachi continues? But who can endure, he says, and who can stand when he appears? What is being said here? He is like, it says here, a refiner's fire, a refiner's fire and fuller soap. A revealing of God to greater degrees will do something to you. Listen, you can't have an encounter with the presence of the Lord and not be changed by that. It'll touch your flesh. In other words, you and God come together in a moment in time where there's this manifest presence, then your flesh is gonna be touched. Something will shake you up. It'll, it'll affect you. It affected Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. And 
And Ralph opened that text, I believe it was last, right, last week, Isaiah 6, and he had a vision of God lifted up, you know, and, and then what was the result of that? It was the holiness of God being revealed. So there's the reveal of the manifest presence of the Lord. But what did it do to Isaiah? What did he say about himself? Woe is me, for I am what? I am undone. Listen, this is number two. This is important to understand a greater righteousness. You're going to become holier than you've ever been before. You're not going to be holier than thou. You're not going to be better than the next person. That's not the point. The point is that you're going to be more pure than you've ever been before. This is what refinement does. All right, time for transparency. Are you ready? If you're with the whole transparency thing at Harvest Reading, give me a hearty amen. amen. All right. So we've made a policy. The elders had a meeting uh, yesterday. It was a great meeting. We got together, prayed we laughed together, and uh, we were designing some new bylaws and policies, and one of those that if anybody at Harvest Reading swears or says a cuss word, then they get soap in their mouth. That's the, what's one of them. <laughs> some of you are having PTSD because you remember when you used to swear when you were a kid, your mom and dad did what to you? Well, at least they did it to me. And they, they washed my mouth out with soap, and they stuck it in my mouth. And so when I got to school, people were all like, I wondered what that smell was coming out of your mouth. You must have had a hard morning before you got on the bus. Fuller soap. What is Malachi talking about here? He's talking about not only the judgment of God, and he judges his church. He's judging his nation. He did that. AD 70 was a massive judgment on Jerusalem because it was leveled. And Jesus shows up, and they reject him. And you don't reject God when God shows up. Because if you reject the Messiah, then you're going to pay a hefty price. And Jerusalem was, was leveled, AD 70. It was horrible. But what is God doing in all of that? He's refining them in the area of purity and holiness. And he's using fuller soap, he says. Well, I try to keep it a little bit lighthearted, but I want you to see the, the, the heaviness of what Malachi is trying to say. Righteousness is important for Christians. And how about, how about this? In the last month, has anybody done anything unrighteous? Raise your hand. Could be a word, could be a, a thought. Anybody? Yeah, right, we all do. It's not the perfection of your life, it's the what? Direction of your life. It's the direction of your life. God is a merciful God, and we fall short in the area. Last night, I mean, right before bed, you know, these thoughts are going through my mind. They're like, like wrong. They're wrong thoughts. And I said, Lord, why? Why is this happening right now? And I tried to push the enemy back in my thoughts with the word of God, and that has been happening on a regular basis for maybe months and maybe even two years since I've come to writing. Righteousness, he's saying, Chris, I'm going to take you through the refiner's fire that you would know holiness more. Verse 3, it says, bring offerings in the righteousness to the Lord. Bring offerings. Do you bring your body to the Lord? Do you say to the Lord, this is my body? I present it to you. This is my mind. I present it to you. I want it to be more pure because I'm sick and tired of the lustful thoughts going through my mind. I bring my mouth to you, Lord. I present it to you because I want it to be more righteous than it is. This is what we do. The Bible says that in Corinthians. We make an offering. We give. We present it to the Lord. And, and it should be a good offering, right? It should be something that we say, God, this is for you, and I want it to be right. Listen, we would offer things to our friends. We offer things to our friends. If your friend wanted to borrow a shirt from you, would you 
take the shirt off of your own back? You ever heard that before? I would give you the shirt off my own back. Would you give your shirt to your friend who is wanting, would you present that to them as an offering if they needed a shirt? And you took the shirt that you just worked out at at Planet Fitness, would you give that to them? With the sweat stains and everything? Would you do that? I don't think you would do that. I wouldn't do that. We would give the best to our friend, but when it comes to offering a holy life to God and righteousness to him, we're holding back on that? It doesn't make any sense. You're gonna have Thanksgiving dinner soon, right? And you're gonna have family and friends over your house to have a great meal. You're gonna present Tom the turkey and mashed potatoes and yams or whatever you guys have. Would you put that on a dirty plate? You took dirty plates out of the dishwasher that had been there for two or three days, little flies are flying around and there's some scum on there. Would you put that food on that plate and present it to your family and your friends? Nobody would do that. But I wonder, how about the church? How much are we presenting to the church? A holy life. Can I just say to you, this has been one of the biggest struggles in my Christian life. And people have said to me, uh, I love revelations. I love the book of Revelation. I love prophecy. Do you love prophecy? Can you preach on the book of Revelation? <laughs> and they're all into the end time stuff. Honestly, I've never been into the end time stuff. Do you know what I have tried to be into? Because I know that my heart has led me away so many different times. It's holiness. It's righteousness. And so this is a book that I would recommend. It's Jerry Bridges' book, and I've read it so many times. And when the tempter comes to me in the area of holiness and purity, I pick this up again, and I've picked it up again because the tempter is fierce on my tracks since coming to Reading in the area of purity. I'm just being vulnerable with you. Are you okay with this? And so I picked it up again, and if somebody wants to read this, I will gladly let you borrow it. Was there, anybody want to read this? Here we go. I would like it back, though, brother, if you don't mind, because it is so important to me, uh, these truths, and you have to keep these truths in your mind all the time because the enemy wants you to trip and fall in the area of holiness and righteousness. Here's number three. What is he doing in the refining process? A greater repenting for his person. Verse five. Can you look at verse five again with me? Malachi chapter three and verse five. Ralph, I can see why you said it's kind of dark up here. It is. Then I will draw near to you for judgment and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely against those who oppress and the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. There's gotta be a repentance. And this is what John the Baptist's ministry was all about. It was repentance. He came preaching repentance. John the Baptist was really calling the nation of Israel, not just the nation of Israel, but I think really he was calling the Pharisees and Sadducees to repentance for their wayward life. And that's what Malachi's doing. Did you know that the, the religious leaders in Malachi's day went wayward? They went sideways spiritually? They weren't fulfilling their calling? It led to apathy and indifference in the church, the Old Testament church. The people of God called out, like Andy was saying. And so Malachi's raised up as a minor prophet to preach to them, not just to the people, but to the leaders. And when the leaders go sideways, do you know the people go sideways? That's what happened. So John the Baptist is the one this is talking about. He's coming preaching repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is feeling that weight of your sin, the sorrow for your sin, 
feeling the, just how serious it is before holy God. You're repenting more. The refinement process causes us to want to just say to God, God, I'm sorry for this. I don't want to do this anymore. I want you to change me. This is what he's doing to you. Repenting on and on and on and on is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a sign of true salvation. If you're saying sorry to God a lot, that's a good sign. Listen, we're in a series called Thankful. Are you thankful for this refinement in the area of repentance? I feel like I just fall so much. I feel like I say something to my wife or my husband that is wrong, and I'm going back, and I'm trying to say sorry a lot. I did that this past week. I said something to my wife. She goes, whoa, you're kind of grouchy. What did you say about me? You said something, and you're like, in my face. She was like, in my space, you know, read my mail. My wife does a good job at that. And she's, she's doing this, and she's bringing to my attention some things that I had said that were unkind. And so what's the response of that? What, what am I supposed to do in that moment, guys? Do you know? Yeah, you, you repent. You say sorry for something like that. Is anybody here like the Fonz? Do you remember the Fonz happy days? Do you remember when he had to admit he was wrong? He couldn't say it. He's like, or I'm sorry. He had the hardest time. I think we do too. So when I'm confronted with repenting to my wife and to God, I don't want to be like the Fonz. I can't say it. I can't get it out. Oh, it's so, it's so humbling. It's like, ah, oh, it gets you in the gut. You're like, ah, oh, you feel like a loser Christian. And so I, I try to say as much as I can because I do a lot of wrong things. I'm sorry. I repent. This is what the refiner's fire does. Are you thankful for this? Are you giving thanks that these times that you're going through, they're so hard and you're messing up so much, but you're coming to the Lord and you're asking for his forgiveness? Are you owning it? Are you owning it? Oh, we got to own our junk, right? We got to own our junk. We got to recognize our junk. You remember the series I did on baggage claim, right? Back in May. You got to own your junk. Not everybody even recognizes their junk. Are you with me on that? There are some people, some of us don't, aren't self-aware, and, and, and when somebody brings junk to our attention, we're like, that's not junk. Anybody here a yard sailor, garage sailor? Has that happened down here in Pennsylvania? I haven't been to one. Up in New England, there were yard sales and garage sales, and you go to those. I love going to those. And then you start looking at their merchandise. And what's some of the thoughts that go through your mind, but you want to be a Christian so you don't say anything? This is a bunch of what? <laughs> it's junk. It's junk. And then you go, you take something to the owner of the junk, and you're like, want to barter back and forth? And they're not moving. It's like, really? I mean, this Barbie doesn't even have a head, and you want that much money? What's going on? People aren't seeing their junk. It's not junk to them because they're blinded to their junk. We got to see what's going on in our life. We got to look at our life and go, you know what? I need to repent of that. That's not pleasing to the Lord. God's not happy with that. Does that make any sense? It's, we got to be honest with the Lord. I mean, he knows any, already, right? God, this is my junk. You see my junk. Help me not to barter back and forth. God, I just want my junk. I want to hold on to it. No, no, repent, number four. And lastly, what is God doing in this refining process? A greater returning to his precepts in verses six and seven. The psalmist said, how I love your precepts. How easy it is to drift from the word of God. 
I love what's happening in many people at Harvest Reading. The Word of God is becoming much more precious to you. You're reading it more. You're sharing it more on social media. And, and I see those groups, things that you're doing. And you're in the, what is this? U version is a great app for reading the Bible. If you're not familiar with the U version, get that. I love what I'm seeing with the Word of God. It's becoming very important. This is in verse 6 and 7. You'll notice verse, verse 6, God says, or the, the Word of God says about God, He does not change. You notice that. He. He does not change. God doesn't need to change. Why doesn't God need to change? Why is God immutable? Because God doesn't need to change. If God needed to change, man, we don't have a good God. We don't have a God I don't want to follow. He wouldn't be perfectly holy and righteous and faithful and good. And so God is immutable. The immutability of God is the theological term, and it's a wonderful thing to study that, that God is unchanging. Uh, so that means that when you are tripping and falling into sin and, sh- and doing something that you shouldn't be doing, when I'm doing that, God's love doesn't change towards me. Isn't that good? Isn't that something to hold on to? Because the immutability of God, God's perfect love in Christ through his son, imputed righteousness into me, his Holy Spirit now deposited inside of my life and your life, then becomes this relationship with the Lord that can't be severed ever. That means I could sin the most grossest of all sins and God's love doesn't change one little bit towards me. It didn't change towards David when he sinned with Bathsheba. Now, there were consequences, but the love of God was still shed abroad in his heart. He came back to the Lord. I love the unchangeableness of God, but we need to change because we are finite beings. We're not infinite. We're not perfect. Only God is perfect. And so we need that. We're coming back to the Bible. I remember one of the greatest, my greatest heroes was Warren Wiersbe. I'm not sure if you're, anybody familiar with Warren Wiersbe? Does anybody know that name? He came, to college, he came to our college, Liberty when I was there, and he preached. And when I'm sitting there in the midst of, I don't know, three or 400 students, it was my New Testament class, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, this man knows God. Now, why would I say that? Because I'm sensing by the Spirit that was deposited in me my freshman year. I became a Christian, actually, at Christian college. And so when Warren Wearsby shows up, and he's, he's anointed, I'm telling you, this man knew God. And when he preached and he taught, he wasn't a real, you know, kind of a, a, he wasn't, what's the word I'm looking for? Not really charismatic in his approach, you know, like, like some other preachers you might see on social media. But the, the presence of the Lord was so strong on him. And I can remember just moving up close to him and just being around him. And I'm like, this guy really has walked with Jesus for a long time. Anyway, he was overseeing a ministry called Back to the Bible, in Lincoln, Nebraska. That was his ministry, back to the Bible. When you're going through the refinement process, he's bringing you back to the Bible. He's bringing you back to the word of God. In Matthew 4, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by who? The devil. And then what is Jesus doing? He's taking the word of God and he's bringing it against the enemy. You don't ever want to go through the dark night of the soul or the refiner's fire without the word of God. But if you want to live your Christian life in such a way that God is now going to bring you through a season of refinement, be thankful for it, but know that the word of God is to become more precious to you than ever before. I can remember years ago going through a really dark season of my life. I talk about a lot of dark seasons in my life, right? Hard times, but you know what? I'm so thankful for them now. I'm thankful for them. So I was going through a dark season of my life. I was not yet married to Lisa. We were just dating at the time. 
I had a job at a glass company, uh, cutting glass. It was a horrible job. Didn't like that. And so I was doing the best I could with that. But I had a, a lot of time to study the Bible. And so I studied the Bible like seven or eight hours a day. I had discovered John MacArthur's uh, series on the New Testament. So I went through the whole New Testament with John MacArthur, seven to eight hours a day. And my tears would flow out of my face and land on my Bible. And what was happening in that time of my life? What was going on in that refiner's fire? The word of God was coming alive. I did not know at that time that I would preach the word of God. So I think God was preparing me. He's preparing you. He's preparing the way. Obstacles are being moved out of the way. And you're going to go through this process. You're going to get to the other side of it. And the Bible is going to be so much more important to you than ever before. We need the Bible. Let's get back to the Bible. Let me conclude with some thoughts. The Old Testament people found the word of God, and it became to them the joy and rejoicing of their heart. You could read about that in the book of Ezra. They found the scriptures, and it just was to them such a rejoicing moment in their life. Malachi the prophet is speaking, and he's speaking to many this morning, and God is refining you. What is he doing? He's cleansing you with fuller soap. He's chastening you. He's correcting you. He's a good God. He's never not good to you. And because he's good, he's going to allow things in your life and in my life that are going to cause us to understand that he is near. His presence is near. I just really sense in my heart, just in this moment, that there's a person when I just said that, um, there's like scar tissue over your soul. There's scar tissue that has uh, developed around your heart because of the deep pain that you went through. And when I say something like that, the enemy takes that seed of the word of God, which I just said, and he steals it from you. And then you just turned, off, you just turned away from that. Don't turn away from that. If you've been through something horrendous and horrific and hard, and it's beyond description, beyond words, and I say to you, listen, before the Lord and in his presence, He's bringing you through something and he's allowing you. And yes, he allowed that to happen to you. Don't push back from that. Keep your heart soft before him and say, Lord, I don't understand what you did, what you allowed. I don't understand what I'm going through now. It's very confusing to me. It definitely feels like the refiner's fire in my life. Don't turn on him right then. Don't let the enemy take that seed of thought, that word of God, Steal it from you right now. Come back. Come right back right now. Because he loves you and he cares about you. Can we stand to our feet? Oh, Lord, thank you for your word through the prophet Malachi. Thank you, Lord, that you're taking us through the refinement process. And it is a process. It's hard. We admit to you that sometimes we hate it. Oh, for that dear person that is just struggling right now in their mind. And they're just wanting to turn away from that truth. Enemy, just get back from them. I just kind of think it's a, it's a female uh, in the house here. And I pray, Lord, and we pray for that female. Don't help her, Lord, not to just reject that seed of your word going in there. It's a tough, tough thing when it lands on a heart that's been hurt and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of maybe a, a, a neglect or abuse or something happened. Please, oh Lord, don't let that seed escape them. Enemy, would you just get out of here? In Jesus' mighty name, the word of God says that we resist you steadfast in the faith. 
and you need to flee away from this young lady. And instead, the word of God is going in. There's healing. Oh, Lord, may they be thankful for the process. May we be able to get to that place where we're thankful for the refiner's fire. Can we give thanks to the Lord for where we're at, even though it's hard? Give thanks to the Lord. He's revealing himself. Oh, the repentance that's happening, it's such a good thing. Don't, don't. The righteousness, oh, the holiness that he's developing inside of us. And the word of God is coming back to us stronger than ever. Let's receive this from the Lord today, amen? And let's worship in this song.